This is Psalm 67. It says, For the director of music with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you here today. My name's Carl. I'm the senior pastor here at Trinity Church. Only thank you for joining with us today. As Trish said, we're working our way through a few psalms at the moment. We're uh, looking today at the second of three psalms that we're looking at. We've called them winter psalms as we work our way uh, through these middle uh, psalms. Uh, These psalms are psalms of praise. They help us to praise our God. As we kick off this morning, I want you to do a little exercise in your head as we start thinking through this psalm. I want you to picture in your mind a person you really care about. Now, I'm not going to ask you to tell the person next to you. No one's judging you at this point. Uh, So you might choose your spouse. However, you might choose someone else. You might choose mum and dad or brother or sister, or you might not. But I want you to picture them in your mind, a person who you care about deeply. Now, let me ask you, what do you want for that person? What do you want for them? Have a think about it. What do you want for that person you care about? What are your dreams and your ambitions and your desires for that person? It might not be a very easy question to answer. I'm imagining that there are a few thoughts filling the room at the moment. You might want happiness or fulfillment or purpose or or satisfaction or meaning for that person who you're thinking about. What do you want for them? Well, having done that with a person you care deeply about, let me try and ask you just one more question now, a similar question but different, and that is, what do you want for God? So I ask you, what do you want for that person who's dear to you? Now, what do you want for God? It might seem like a presumptive question. After all, God was the one who created us. He's the one who knit you together in your mother's womb. And so in one sense, we don't have any business, really, asking that question. But get beyond the presumption just for a moment, and let me ask you, what do you want for God? If you've got a leaflet with you, some of you do, you might like to just write it down. I want for God, dot, dot, dot. What do you want for God? Here's how I'd answer that question. I want God to be glorified, to be praised, to be worshipped, to be adored, to be loved, to be honoured. In other words, I want God to be magnified. But perhaps I should aim higher than that, because although this psalm cries out to God, asking him to act, he's doing, the psalmist is doing this so that all the nations would praise God in that way. So that all the nations would want to see God glorified and worshipped and adored and magnified and honoured. So in a nutshell, what Psalm 67 is doing, the psalm that we're looking at today, it's saying this, God, do what you have promised so that the whole world, all people, 
would praise you or would magnify you, would give you the honour that you desire. Now, this psalm is actually a little bit of a tricky psalm because the means in which we understand this, the means in which we come to this knowledge about what the psalmist wants, that God, that the psalmist wants God to be magnified and glorified, the means which we get there is through understanding how this psalm fits with the covenant. The psalmist cries out, God bless Israel, that Israel may in turn be a blessing to all nations, so that... Very important word in this psalm, so that, so that all the nations might magnify you. Now, this sounds a bit strange. We're going to unpack it over the next few minutes. But what I want you to remember, the very big idea of this psalm is that it's a call for God to keep his promise so that all nations, the whole world, might praise him and might magnify his name. Now, last week... Jack took us through Psalm 66. If you were here with us last week, you might remember the logic of that psalm. Look at what God has done. His amazing works. I think Jack encouraged you to tell campfire stories about what God has done and his goodness to you. And in doing so, in reminding others about what God has done, we'd be praising God. In Psalm 67, the outcome's the same. The praise of God, the whole world, the whole nation's praising God. But I want you to see the logic's a bit different in this psalm. This psalm is urging God to remember what he has promised to do. And so all nations would bless, each would be a blessing and that God will be praised. Now we see this partly by understanding the structure of this psalm. So I'd encourage you today to take out your leaflet and inside the leaflet you'll find a printout that has this psalm printed out. But I've set the structure out on the psalm. And to show you that this morning and to really illustrate this and to help you understand this, I've asked uh, some of our kids to come up and read this psalm to us. And um, I've asked two sets of siblings to come up today because I want you to see the balance in this psalm. And I'm going to position them carefully on on the stage here so that this makes sense. So Jemima, I want you to stand over here. Right there, and then live next. I'm going to stand in the middle here, and Anna, you stand here, and Piper here. And have you got your psalms? Probably not. There you go. You've got one? Okay. What we're going to do is we're going to read it. And what I want you to see, uh, see the balance here is that verses 1 and 2 match with their sibling, verses 6 and 7. Verse 3 matches with the sibling in verse 5, and I'm going to be in the middle in verse 4. Okay? Mama, you pass the microphone down as we go. Let's read it out. You can follow along in your printout if you've got one. Go for it. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us, so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still, so that all the ends of earth will fear him. Excellent. Thank you. You guys girls can have a seat. Thank you so much for helping us with that. So with your printout in front of you now, and with the help of... Uh, Jemima and Piper and Liv and Anna, can you see how verses 3 and 5 match? 
They're actually a word-for-word match, verses 3 and 5. But I want you to also see that verses 1 and 2 and 6 and 7 are also a perfect match. They're not a perfect match in terms of the word-for-word, but they're a perfect match thematically. How do they match thematically? Well, both verses are essentially saying this, God, keep your promise. God, keep your promise. Bless us, that's Israel, bless us, so that the ends of the earth will also be blessed and will praise you. Here's what I want you to see, that verses 1 and 2 and 6 and 7 are founded in the covenant, the promise that God made with Israel. Now, God's a God, right? And he can promise whatever he wants. Ah, Kind of like a dad, I could promise whatever I want. So I'm going to make a promise right now. Hamish, he's not listening at the moment, that's okay. But Hamish, if you keep doing what you're doing and keep behaving, then at the end of the service, you can come and get this chocolate from me. Right? Here's a blessing for Hamish. He could choose, if he wants, to enable that blessing to be shared by his family and he could share that blessing with his siblings. What am I doing? I'm making a promise. And if Hamish wants, he could bless his siblings with that promise. Now, God's promise is nothing to do with chocolate. Instead, God promises to bless Abraham, the father of Israel, so that Israel might be a blessing to all nations. Now, this is a bit complicated, so I want you to stick with me and come with me to Genesis chapter 12. I want want you to see how this works. Genesis chapter 12. We're going to go back to where God makes his promise. Genesis chapter 12. Now, so far in the Bible, up into Genesis chapter 12, there have been cycles of people messing up. And God being gracious and restoring his people, and then they're messing up again. So we have Adam and Eve in the garden, they mess up. Then we have Cain and Abel, the flood, the Tower of Babel. And then we get to chapter 12, and we get to Abraham, or Abram as he's known at this point. And God makes a promise or a covenant with Abraham. Let me read it to you in Genesis chapter 12, starting at verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Here's the promise God says to Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you into a big nation. Essentially, you're going to have lots of kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. And then you see the second part of verse 3. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Can you see the connection here between Genesis 12 and Psalm 67? The psalmist is pleading with God, do what you promised. In the original context, the psalmist is saying, uh, as to speaking about Israel, Abraham's offspring, crying out to God, keep your promise, God, bless us, bless Israel, so that, see the so that there in verse 2? So that the nations might be blessed through us, so they might know your way and your salvation. And we see it again in verse 6. God bless us with an abundant harvest. Now, we don't read about the abundance of the harvest in Genesis chapter 12, but this is also part of the covenant. Bless us so that the ends of the earth, all people will fear you. Bless us so that we might be a blessing to the whole world. 
And so this psalm is really asking God to keep his promise, to, to bless Israel so that the whole world might be blessed through Israel. And with that outcome, everyone will praise God. I wonder this morning if you realize that was how God was at work in the world. That he chose Abraham and his people Israel to be a special nation. And he blessed Israel in order that the whole world will be blessed through Israel. That's it. That's how God's at work in the world. Did you realize that? You might wonder why. Why did God choose to work that way? That's a great question. Why did God choose to work that way? You might like to go home and read Romans 9 to 11. It's kind of what Paul addresses in Romans 9 to 11. And Paul says this. He says, who has known the mind of the Lord? In other words, it's beyond human comprehension to know why God chose to do it this way. But he did. Bless Israel and through Israel, bless others that his name would be praised. Right, let's go back to uh, verses 1 and 2 and 6 and 7 of the psalm. Remember what they're saying. Do what you've promised, God. Bless Israel that Israel might be a blessing to the nations, that these nations, all peoples, the whole world, might praise you, might magnify you. That's verses 3 and 5. So the psalm, I hope you can see, is calling on God to do what he's promised to do, to be a blessing to Israel and in turn to bless the nations so that together they might praise God. I hope you're with me, Sil. You see how this psalm works? No wonder then, how does it sit with you? How does the logic sit with you? Do you think it's good logic? Does it make sense? Did it ever work this way? Was Israel ever a blessing to other nations that they in turn praise God? You might remember the story in 1 Kings when the Queen of Sheba visits Israel. She's so impressed by what she saw, by the wisdom of Solomon and by the riches of the land that she does in turn praise God. But the truth is that not long after the Queen of Sheba visits, Israel as a nation is essentially destroyed, first through the Assyrians, then the Babylonians, and then the Persians. And and today, Israel as a nation, it's hardly a place that you would say has been blessed. So it seems a strange psalm for us today, doesn't it? Do we really want God to make the nation of Israel great so that Israel might bless the whole world? How do we read this psalm today? How do we pray it today? I wonder what you think. How do we make sense of this psalm today? Well, here's a way forward, I think, for us as we read this psalm today. Firstly, I want you to see that today God's people don't have to be ethnically Jewish. Israel is, is said a way of describing who God's people are. And in the Old Testament, Israel was tied up to a land and a people and an ethnicity. But today, God's people are not necessarily ethnically Jewish. You and I can be part of Israel. We can be part of God's family. And we see this really clearly in Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. Come with me if you've got a Bible open to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians is a New Testament book. So it's written after Jesus died and was raised. Our author here is Paul. And although it's a New Testament book, in Galatians chapter 3, Paul's still talking about Abraham. But let me read to you what he says. Galatians Uh, Chapter 3, verse 6. I think it's on the screen behind me. 
So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. What does Galatians chapter 3 help us to see? Well, God's children are not those who are ethnically Jewish, but those who have faith in Jesus. And yet all nations are blessed through Abraham. How? How are all nations blessed through Abraham? Well, through the person of Jesus. He redeems us from the curse of the law and gifts us with the Spirit. See, Jesus was a descendant of Abraham. He was ethnically Jewish. And so he blesses the whole world by redeeming us. You see that in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. It says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Jesus was the seed of Abraham, he was a Jew, an Israelite, and yet he was divinely appointed to fulfill the promises. It's through faith in Jesus and trusting in his death that we are redeemed and we share in the blessings of Abraham. Those blessings, the promise of the Spirit. It's in Jesus that the blessings of the covenant are found. Now that doesn't mean, of course, that we'll have an abundant harvest today. So when you see a person driving past in a fancy Porsche, you know, at the traffic lights, they pull up and then drive off in a cloud of dust. You don't think, do you, well, that person must love God and follow his ways and therefore they've been blessed with that Porsche. That's not how it works today. But what this means is that we have been redeemed and given a place in God's family and been blessed with the spiritual blessings of Christ. So today we can sing this psalm knowing that God has acted in and through Jesus. Jesus has fulfilled the covenant and so we pray this psalm today longing for God to bless us in Christ with the spiritual blessings that belong to Jesus. We pray this psalm today asking that God would act in and through the person of Jesus so that his salvation might be known among the nations so that the nations might praise God. I hope you're still with me. It's a complicated psalm in one sense to get our heads around because it uses the covenant and then the new covenant in Jesus to help us to praise God. Here are three practical things I want you to take away from this psalm. Three practical things that I want you to know as we go out into our week. You'll see those in your handout. I think this psalm helps us to know three things. Firstly, God wants to be magnified. God wants to be praised. Secondly, we should be concerned with world mission because God is concerned with his name going to the ends of the earth. And thirdly, I think this psalm helps us to see that we should enjoy God's goodness, his equity and his guidance. Let's just take a look at those in turn. Now, we've had to dig down into the covenant ideas and covenant language today to make sense of this psalm. And I don't want you to lose the wood for the trees. This psalm is calling for God to be magnified, for God to be praised. The psalm is asking God to keep his promises so that the whole ends of the earth might magnify God. Verse 3 and 5 of this psalm are about as clear as we can get. 
May the peoples praise God. May the peoples praise you. All peoples. Now Adelaide is about as far away from Israel as you can get geographically. In one sense, we're at the ends of the earth. How is Adelaide praising God? When we do that in a sense, don't we, here at church, we sing praises to God. But our praise must just be more than what we do on a Sunday morning. We sing about his goodness and his work in the world. We must keep doing that Monday to Friday as well. I want to suggest that you can worship God when you leave this place in the way that you drive your car home. I don't just mean that you'll tune into Life FM on the radio when you drive home, but that you'll follow the rules of the road. That you demonstrate love and grace to those around you as you drive. I think we can fear God on Monday as we go to work in our job. Do you work as if you're working towards God there? Not working for an earthly boss, but for a heavenly master. Well, kids, as you go back to school tomorrow, will you listen to your teachers? Will you honour your friends? We can worship God Monday to Friday as well as on Sunday. Now, we've dug into this psalm a bit to try and make sense of it, but at the heart of this psalm, we must see this is a psalm about giving praise to God. As God's people today, we want to do that, praise him. We must live for him. We must worship him. We must fear him. That's what God wants for his people. Second practical thing I want you to see from this psalm is that God has a heart for the nations. God cares about mission to the world. We see this in the psalm, don't we? May the nations praise you, God. We see it in the idea of God fulfilling his promises so that the nations might know him. This psalm reminds us that God cares for the nations. And I wonder this morning, do you have a similar concern for the nations? Do you have a similar concern for those who don't know about Jesus? It's clearly part of God's plan that his saving grace would go to the ends of the earth, that all nations would come to know him and would praise him. And we must be encouraged here to see the need for the gospel to go in each generation to the ends of the earth. Do you have a heart for mission? God does. He cares about these things. But I want to encourage you today not just to see mission as being something that we do in different countries, far from us. We live in a time and place where, where fewer and fewer people in our, in our society, in our world, know of God and his saving ways. I think most of us would have seen the news of the latest census. Fewer and fewer people are calling themselves Christian in our country. Now I want to rest in the sovereignty of God and know that he is at work in Australia, but it's also clear that mission must have an increasingly big part of what we do in Australia. We must be on mission in our own towns, in our own workplaces, in our own schools, in our own sporting clubs, because God wants his salvation to be known there also. That those people might praise him. God cares about mission overseas and here. The final thing I want us to spend a little bit of time considering as we wrap up this morning is from the central verse in this psalm, verse 4. It's given a central place in this psalm, and I think that adds then additional weight and additional importance to this verse. Let me remind you of what it says. Verse 4 says this, May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. 
I want you to leave here today then with, with this a great sense of gladness and joy. See, with all the challenges that the last few years have brought, I think some of us are probably a bit light on the joy department at the moment. When did you last feel really glad? But here's something to be glad about. Our God rules with equity. He's just and he keeps his promises. Here's another thing to be glad about. The spiritual blessings are ours in Christ Jesus. We have much to be joyful for. Now, of course, this means, doesn't mean that we're not going to go through tricky or difficult days or painful things, but I want you to remember this morning that those of us who have faith in Jesus, we are part of God's family. We've been blessed with all the blessings in Christ Jesus. We know where we're going. He's prepared a home for us. There's great joy in that. And yet, there's also joy in the fact that we live in a world of colour and rich experiences and God wants us to enjoy and be glad about those things as well. It's not a sad God, but a God who wants us to enjoy the created world that he's made for us. I think this psalm helps us to celebrate that, knowing that he's a God with equity and a God who guides the world and a God who has care and love for those who are part of his family. Join with me as we pray and give thanks to God for his work in the world through Jesus. Father God, we thank you for this psalm. It's a little tricky psalm for us to understand, but we thank you that it's a psalm that encourages us to remember that you're a God who keeps your promises. Thank you for the way in which you have blessed the whole world through your son Jesus. We thank you that you're a God of equity and justice. Thank you that you're a God who's loved us and has given us all the blessings in Christ. Please help us to be glad of that and to rest sure in knowing what you have promised for us. Amen.